dark science and everything else They slap down a new topic and dash off to the next It's a great big world with so much to know Like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe If you wanna be a smarty, better learn something fast With Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast On today's episode, we are going to dive into an M. Night Shyamalan retrospective. Shyamalan is a very popular and innovative director who has given us several great movies, some of which we are going to review today. Across from me is M. Night Deaton Shyamalan, the coolest director in southeastern Kentucky. So, Shannon, how are you today? I'm doing well. And you know what? I see podcasters. <laughs> do you really? I do. Also, is it... Shyamalan, Shyamalan, Shyamamelon? Shyamalan. <laughs> I think all those are acceptable. You think it's okay? Yeah. When I was Googling, it was, uh, I, I will tell you, I'm, I'm embarrassed by how I tried to spell the name, but apparently it's like S-H-Y-A-Malan. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. So Shyamamamalan, officially. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So, Jason, are, are we going to be talking about M. Night Shyamalan movies today, or what, what are we getting into? We are. We're going to be talking about uh, several of them, sort of a, a greatest hits of, of M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, I think we're going to uh, end uh, by talking about the most recent movie that came out just a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, Old. I know uh, both of us have watched that in the last week or so, yep. and so we'll, we'll kind of weigh in and, and, and give our takes on the newest release mm-hmm. uh, by him, but, uh, but we're also going to back up, and I guess to begin with, and look at some of his uh, original movies we are and to start off we're going to begin by just ranking some of these movies now officially when we were first going to do this i thought well let's rank them by you know like highest grossing movie and and go from there but whenever i got into it that was kind of boring right <laughs> so i wanted to see like critically what's what are the best movies according to critics and jason the place i turn to when i'm trying to figure out you <laughs> it's, know, it's a very official title <laughs> it's a very it's a very official website uh, by the name of rotten tomatoes do you use rotten tomatoes very <laughs> oh, often? oh yeah absolutely yeah so they have two different scores one is a critic score and one is a user score we're going by the critic score here Okay. So uh, M. Night Shyamalan has released 13 movies. I thought it was more. Does that sound right to you? See, I was going to guess actually, well, I mean, I kind of know a little more now since we took a little while to dive into this, but I kind of thought it was like maybe eight to 10. Okay. I didn't realize it was even 13 really. Yeah. Okay. So we'll just go through the list starting with the movie with the highest critical reception. It's probably not going to surprise you. This is number one. This is number one. The one that according to the Rotten Tomatoes (laughs) website is rated highest among the critics. Do you want to guess? Um... the Sixth Sense. You're right. Yeah. It's the, right. the Sixth Sense, and the score is 86. It's pretty solid. It's pretty good. Now, it's all downhill from here. Okay. <laughs> That's not to say these movies are bad, but I think to get a, a fresh score, does it have to be something like a 70 or somewhere in that neighborhood? To, I'm not to sure be the cutoff of that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. We're, we're, you know, just official science here at Slapdash. Eh, sounds about right. Uh, so, number two is Split, which surprised me. A critic score of 77. Okay. That's that's a solid movie. I've watched that. It's a good one. Number three, Signs. Oh, yeah. I watched that. At 74. Uh, number four, Unbreakable at 70. I have watched that. Okay. And everything below this is under 70. Does that surprise you? Uh, so, so, the, the, so, the first four movies are 
you know, critically maybe, good, quote yeah. unquote. Maybe a little bit. I know that early on his career, he, he seemed like he was very popular. Yeah. And then it kind of seemed like he went through uh, sort of a spell where he made three or four that didn't really get a lot of buzz. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't really totally shock me. Okay. So number five is The Visit with 68. Have you seen this I one? have not seen that one. I, I know what it's about, but I haven't seen it. Something about go to grandma's house and yeah. something weird happens. Yeah. Yeah. There's a poster and it's like uh, grandma's three rules. Rule number one, don't eat cookies out of the cookie jar. Rule number two, treat everybody well. I don't know. But rule number three is like, don't leave your room after 9.30 p.m. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty specific, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, The Visit. Number six old so uh, it it clocks in at 50 okay all right number seven one that surprised me it's called wide awake and this movie has rosie o'donnell in it i've never i've never even heard of that movie you have to go and look at the box of this one i haven't i don't know anything about this movie other than it's on this list i think it may have been his directorial debut but don't don't quote me on that i think it came before the sixth sense and it's um, about a mom and her kid and then there's baseball involved so okay. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the traditional M. Night Shalomanomnon uh, <laughs> type of movie, but it has a 45 critic score. Uh, number eight, The Village with a 43. Yep, I've watched that. Number nine, Glass with 37. I've watched that. Number 10, Lady in the Water, 25. I have not. I've not watched <laughs> that. You've not one. seen Lady in the I Water? Not, nope. uh, you're not missing it. Uh, <laughs> number 11, The Happening at 17. I have seen that one. Yeah, that one's creepy. I still, yeah. I still remember that one. Uh, number 12, I've not seen this one. After Earth, 11. After that? Earth. No, is it the Will Smith? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Smith no. Thing. I, I kind of know what it's about, but no, I haven't mm-hmm. watched it. Not seen that one. Number 13, The Last Airbender, 5. Uh, I've, I don't think I've ever watched that. I've seen like little, you know, uh, bits of it. That's just sort of not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you know how bad you have to be to get a score of five? <laughs> Tomatoes. don't ta- you get four for just like <laughs> sort of like that like the act just, just by putting your name or something <laughs> it's funny because we've on this podcast we've been known to look at a lot of movies yeah that's something we get into quite a bit i think five is the lowest score i've ever seen and jason we've <laughs> talked about things like leprechaun goes to space <laughs> all right J- jason takes manhattan or jason goes to manhattan or jason whatever x yeah yeah so, so all these movies but yeah last airbender at five so you know m night Shyamalan is a director who has a lot of clout you know these right. are people get excited about these movies they're big budget movies they're blockbusters um but only four movies with a critical score of 70 or up that that kind of surprises mm. yeah me that is interesting that's on here so what is it that we're going to talk about first so i think the first movie that i'm going to talk about is signs so signs came out in uh, 2002 so i remember when this first came out i was pumped I mean, I remember watching the commercials, the the, the preview, seeing seeing the the posters. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when crop circles uh, were still super interesting and kind of a hey, they're uh, still interesting a thing. Yeah, so I, I was really pumped about this uh, particular movie, and I think this is the one. Uh, and again, I might be wrong, but I think this is the one that kind of got him going. Mm-hmm. Right? I think this is the, the his first big one where everyone got interested, like, right. super interested in. So, Signs uh, starred Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Gibson plays a local minister in a rural area of Pennsylvania who lives on a farm. Gibson's wife recently died in a car wreck or a car crash, which caused him to lose his faith. 
Gibson has two children in the movie and a younger brother, uh, played by Joaquin Phoenix, who moves back to uh, help on the farm to take care of the kids once his wife you know, passes away. So, like on all good farms, there is a large cornfield, Shannon. Mm-hmm. And in this cornfield, mysterious crop circles appear. They do. You drove by cornfield not long ago. Uh, you, you I did. I actually, ca- I actually called you. Where were we going? We were coming back from vacation, yeah, weren't we? You, you had to take a detour. Or yeah, something. we were somewhere in South Carolina, and all I saw was cornfield. And yeah, and, and I text you. I said, all I see is corn. If if you never hear from me again, you know what happened. And and then uh, I think I said something about I, I hear someone saying Outlander. <laughs> It's children of the corn reference. Yeah, but, yeah. That's awesome. But, uh, but anyhow, uh, so, you know, we all know that crop circles are like basically a universal symbol for aliens, right? We do so, all know that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, I mean, as, everyone knows as is that. it's commonly known. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so at first, everyone is confused and they think it's just a prank, right? Uh, but soon crop circles begin to pop up all over the globe along with mysterious lights in the air. So soon after, people all over the world, including this Pennsylvania farm, begins to be visited by these strange alien beings. Yep. Not just kids in a cornfield with boards pushing down wheat, right? <laughs> That's right. These are the, the real deal, right? Okay. All right. So eventually, the family is forced to fight the aliens. Uh, while fighting the aliens, one of the aliens sprays some toxic gas or mist or something from his wrist and seemingly kills uh, Mel Gibson's uh, son in the movie. However, as fate would have it, the young boy suffered from asthma mm. and therefore did not breathe in the toxic gas. So, long story short, the aliens uh, are allergic to water, <laughs> and as a re- and we'll talk about that in a moment. Yep. And as a result, they leave planet Earth. Gibson's character believes that God allowed his son to have asthma because he knew that one day it would actually save him. He would need it. That he would need it to mm-hmm. prevent him from breathing in this this toxic air. So the movie ends with Gibson's character back in church, showing a return of his faith okay okay so you've watched science before right i have okay so there are a few scenes in this movie uh some some i like and then there's one or two that i'm just i think it's horrible all right this overall i like it okay Okay. overall i like it and we have our tinfoil hats on we do as we start as joaquin as joaquin phoenix did there Mm -hmm. so uh i kind of made note of a of a few scenes here so the first time that and it's actually Joaquin Phoenix that sees it, that he sees an alien on TV, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a news report like this this footage is shocking, and this is taking place in, in a, I think it's a, a, a foreign country, I believe, at a birthday party. Yeah. And so he's watching it, and all of a sudden the screen freezes, and you and you hear little kids screaming, and you see this this image, right? Right. And it's it's an alien. It's like a tall, looks like it's seven foot tall type of lanky gray green looking alien. Mm-hmm. And of course, it wouldn't be long before. They're in the cornfields, yep. right? And so, uh, so I, I really like that particular moment where he just, where they, you know, he initially sees the character, the, the alien, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of creepy how it's somewhere else on Earth, but you know, it's probably coming here too. Sure, I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. I like that. Uh, I thought the saddest part of the movie, and a part that always uh, that sticks with me. I don't know if you even remember this. It may just been me, but there's a part where. They kind of feel like the aliens are coming. Like they know it's like you know they it's 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 an uh, impending doom type it's thing. Imminent. right? They're, yeah, they're on their way. So they have this family dinner, and I don't know if you remember this, but so everyone and the 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 children are are young children in this movie, and so uh, he prepares this dinner and he asks everyone what they want to eat, and so he makes the weirdest combination of food, like someone wants hot dogs, someone mm-hmm. wants turkey, someone wants what, and so he makes this all this food for everybody and you could tell he's sort of preparing it thinking this is their last meal 
That's sad. And so they're all at this table, and you see all this strange uh, arrangement of food. And he kind of is just fighting back tears, and he's wanting them to eat. And there's something so sad about that, that whole whole scene. I, I remember that. Of course, the, the, uh, the asthma scene at the end. You know where he's he's sitting there outside in the yard. And he's kind of rocking his child back and forth. Anything with kids these days, yeah. just just breaks my heart. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought that was a, a really good scene. Now those are all positives, right? Sure. So the big negative I have with this is that the water. Water? <laughs> they're allergic to water. I mean, yeah. how smart can they be if they're flying through the universe and they find a planet that <laughs> the majority. Uh, of of the surface is water. Look at this place, guys. I mean, it looks like water, right? It's mostly blue. I, I have no idea why they would land here. And then even when they did, I thought, water? It's like you throw water and they just kind of... That's it? They just sort of like hiss and, and melt. And so I, I did not like that at all. And I thought that the fight scene at the end of the movie, when, when Mel Gibson's outside, and, and again, maybe it's just me, but when Mel Gibson's outside kind of, sort of rocking the, the child, right? And mm-hmm. he was like, you know, he has asthma. He didn't breathe in. He didn't breathe in. So meantime, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix is inside the house with a baseball bat, all right? Uh-huh. And he is just taking the most unorthodox, awkward swings with this baseball <laughs> bat. Uh, at this creature. So uh-huh. you have this creature and Joaquin Phoenix, and he's like hitting over like cups of water at it. Yeah. And it's just so weird because in the movie, he's supposed to be like a minor league baseball player. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. And the way he swings this bat <laughs> would suggest anything other than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the method. Everything about it does not make sense. It doesn't pass the look test. The whole water thing, and I, I'm just going to fight this alien with. I, I thought that could have been way better. Yeah, uh, almost anything. Yeah. But overall, uh, I, I liked the movie. I just didn't like the whole. I'm going to fight the alien with the baseball no. bat at the end. This movie had a problem with what they call showing the shark. Have you heard of this concept yes. in cinema? Yeah. They always say to new directors, "Don't show the shark," and that's just a fancy way of saying the monster itself. Is not as scary as the thought of the monster. Yeah, the idea of it. The yeah. idea of the monster. The execution can never be as good as the the doom and gloom building up to what does this thing look like? You know. So at the and you can see that M Night Shyamalan takes specific steps not to show the alien. I think in some of the footage and things you just see these fuzzy pictures of it looking through a window and and different right. things like that. You never really get a full on shot. But I remember in that very last scene, right before Joaquin Phoenix does whatever he does (laughs) as batting practice or whatever he doesn't do it shows the creature and for this time um what year did you say 2002 2002 cgi just wasn't where it is today and these creatures obviously don't hold up very well so that's one thing that sticks out to me is is just the the final scene where they're showing the creature and i was kind of just bummed out yeah just kind of let down yeah a little bit uh but also what you were saying about the uh creatures being allergic to water i i had a realization the wicked witch of the west obviously an alien had to been right (laughs) right (laughs) water melts i'm melting i'm melting (laughs) so jason the next movie up on our list is called the sixth sense you ever heard of this one uh, I have. I have watched this one. This, this, th- this one got me. Th- this is the one that introduced most of the world to what M. Night Shyamalan is all about. The Sixth Sense was released in 1999. It's an American supernatural psychological thriller film written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. The movie stars Bruce Willis as a child psychologist whose patient, played by Haley Joel Osment, can talk to the dead. Okay. 
we, we should have prefaced with some spoiler alerts here. If you've not seen The Sixth Sense. Uh, it's, you know, you, you've had 20 years. <laughs> if you've not watched it at this point, you're not, that's on you. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not our fault. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so this patient can talk to the dead. And of course, everyone probably remembers the millions of times you saw this television advertisement. If you were around oh, yeah. during this time of the scene of the kid just laying in the bed and you see the breath and it's very cold and he just kind of whispers to the camera, I see dead people, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that, that was the introduction to this entire, you know, cinematic franchise that, that M. Night Shyamalan was to, to work on. And it, this is the first movie that shows some of those filmmaking traits that he was later going to be best known for, especially the surprise twist ending, which I think pretty much all of these films have yep. at the end. The film grossed $293 million in the U.S. and $379 million in other markets. Now, here are some facts about the movie. David Vogel, he was a former president of Walt Disney Studios who released the movie. He didn't consult with his superiors before paying $2.25 million for the rights to The Sixth Sense. So he just kind of had enough power at the time, and they questioned this later, where he could just give someone a just, couple million dollars. Just wrote a check, and that was it, huh? Just, just as the president. He also agreed to let Shyamalan direct it, which, again, was something that would, would later kind of bite him. Vogel's boss was pretty upset about the deal, and he demanded that Vogel relinquish some of his power. Like, you know, as president, you, you maybe shouldn't be writing $2 million checks without some right. kind of oversight. He refused, and they fired him. So hmm. he, the the uh, president of Disney lost his job over this, wow, I didn't uh, realize that. this deal here. Yeah, uh, The Sixth Sense was one of three films that Bruce Willis starred in as part of a settlement with Disney. So Willis was supposed to star in and produce another Disney film titled Broadway Brawler, but that that movie obviously never got made because three weeks into filming. Willis, who was, like I said, also a producer on the film, fired most of the crew as well as the director, uh, and that forced Disney to completely abandon the project with a loss of $17.5 million. So you talk about someone with power. Bruce Willis was wow. was uh, the man at that point. So he had to make up for that, right? $17.5 million, that's, even to Disney, that's... That's a little bit of money. That's a big deal. So to make up for it, Willis signed a three-pitcher contract with Disney in which a portion of his salary would go back to covering losses on this Broadway brawler movie. The first film was Armageddon, and we all recall Armageddon. The second film was The Sixth Sense, and the third film was a movie called The Kid. Do you remember this one? Uh, Was it about a boxer, maybe? Was it? I wanted to say, and I... Maybe not. This is probably wrong, but I thought it was about... Maybe him turning into a kid or okay. a kid I, I turning haven't seen into it. him. <laughs> okay. I don't know. But either way, that was uh, part of the, the three-film deal that was going on. But, Jason, I remember this movie distinctly. It it still kind of scares me when I, when I think about it. Um, this movie has a lot in common with um, future psychological thriller movies where people – you know, obviously see dead people. This was the blueprint for a lot of the right. modern day horror films yeah. and, and suspense films. But one thing that always stuck out to me, and this is a scene that just replays in my head, you know, like at two in the morning. <laughs> when I start <laughs> the, thinking about things. At the worst time. <laughs> the worst possible time. There's this uh, scene where there's a little kid and I, I can't remember why it happens, but Haley Joel Osment, the the main character, the little boy that we all remember from The Sixth Sense, sees this other little boy, and he's dressed up like an, uh, you know, like a, 
a cowboy or something like that. But he's obviously, well, maybe we don't know at this point, but he's, he's a ghost. Right. Right. And he just looks at uh, this other little boy and he says, you know, something like, follow me. I want to show you my dad's gun collection. And then he just turns around the whole time he's been facing the camera. And when he turns around, you just see this big like gunshot wound in his back and it's just like oh no. <laughs> it's, like, uh, no it's thank you absolutely the worst but another thing i remember about this movie is all the reveals at the yeah. end right because all this time leading up to yeah. it we think bruce willis is alive he's a child oh, absolutely and you know he's just doing his thing but in fact as is as revealed in the movie he's dead He's yep. a ghost, and this kid just happens to see him. And there's all these little things that are done throughout the movie to carry forth this deceit, right? This this idea that he's actually dead, but you know the audience obviously is thinks he's alive. To right? Think he's alive. This dramatic irony. Um, you know, there's there's a scene where his wife is sitting at a table with him. He's he's across from her, and she's actually sort of mourning him on their anniversary. But it looks like they're on a date. And you don't right. realize that, you know, and he's, right. he's talking to her and she's talking to him. And then uh, the check is laying between them and he reaches for it, like the check for the dinner. And then she puts her hand on it first and pulls it back and then, you know, pays for it. And it's just like when you're watching it the first time through, you don't think anything about that. You right. think, well, maybe maybe their marriage is kind of on the rocks a little yeah. bit, you know, but come to find out she's just having dinner alone. Right. You know, sad that he's not there. And there's several things like yeah. that. I think the color red is a motif that shows up every time yep. there's something weird getting ready to happen. There's a red doorknob that he always tries to open and can't ever get open. Yeah. There's a red balloon that floats up the stairs and several other instances. But, man, The Sixth Sense, um, solid movie. One that oh, I really yeah. enjoyed from yeah. Night Shyamalan. So what's next? So, Shannon, the next one uh, is The uh, the Village in 2004. Have you seen The Village? I sure have. Okay, so uh, there are a ton of actors and actresses in this. Joaquin Phoenix, uh, once again, Adrian Brody, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, uh, who I totally had forgot. I guess I didn't even realize that in 2004, you know, today we think of Jesse Eisenberg, and he's played in a lot of things, right? But sure. So, at the time, I didn't really know him. But Jesse Eisenberg, uh, William Hurt, and Sigourney Weaver. So basically, there is this small 19th century community named Covington. Mm -hmm. The community, although apparently happy, uh, lives in constant fear of some bizarre human-like creatures that live in the woods that surround the entire community. Uh, the elders, who are obviously the leaders of the community, they, all, uh, they emphasize that no one must ever go into the woods. Well, some uh, events happen that, that basically end up leading to a young girl. Uh, she becomes desperate for medicines, and she thinks that she can find these medicines in another town that she has heard about. Mm -hmm. So she risks her life, and she enters the woods, right? Yep. Not supposed to do that, no. but we're going in. That's where all these monsters are. That's right. Yep. So ultimately, it turns out that the monsters are not real and are only people from within the community dressed like monsters. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing is just one big scare tactic. The young girl walks for miles and miles uh, and eventually stumbles out of the woods onto a highway mm -hmm. with cars. I thought you said it was 19th century, Jason. Oh, that's where he got you at. Uh -huh. So we're thinking we're, we are uh, you know, watching uh, some, you know, some village in the 1800s, and then all of a sudden, bam, you're on an interstate with highway and cars. And so like, I remember watching this movie thinking, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, like it just hits me like all of a sudden, you know. So 
Uh, it's at this point that the viewer knows that uh, this is not the 19th century, but the 21st century, and that the elders have duped the entire community. Some, some members, the younger members, have lived their entire life there thinking basically that's kind of the world, yeah. right? And they have no idea what year it is or that there are such things as helicopters or cars or anything like that. So uh, you know, there's no electricity there. Uh, and basically, you kind of learn that the the elders were sort of like a members of a like a grief support group, like mm-hmm. community. And there were several of them that had that were extremely unbelievably wealthy, um, you know, big time rich. And they had purchased this this big massive tract of land and paid the government like so much money to like uh, promise to never have uh, you know helicopters or airplanes or anything fly overhead for like. 30 years or whatever it was. So basically they're living as if it's like in the 1800s. There's no electricity and all the meantime, the real world's going on around them. Yeah. I really like this story. It, it reminds me a lot of the lottery by Shirley Jackson. Yeah. Yep. Do you remember? That oh yeah. Yeah. It's the same sort of concept where you have these, this, this old time citizenship basically. And there are these elders who have the traditions and right. you never really know what they're up to until right. sort of the end. And I guess the idea in this movie was just to keep everybody in and secluded right. and, you know away from humanity modern they just, humanity yeah anyway. they, they just kind of wanted to live a uh, a very you know uh, pure simplistic life and so uh, obviously they knew they were aware the elders were aware of what year it was and what was out there but most people in the community did not right uh, not even the ones who some of the ones who were playing the monsters mm-hmm. even did not know that uh, so that you know, that was really interesting uh, there's a part in this movie where uh, so that so uh, the the elders have boxes okay where they keep kind of like their uh, mementos from their previous life and I think they kind of talk about it to where they say something like that we we all belong to different villages at once upon a time mm. and we decided to come here and so we keep uh, our those mementos from our our old lives in here you know they they open them up and you're thinking to see. Who know? Whatever. Who knows what? Right? A quill and pen. Something. Yeah. Something very <laughs> old. Right. Quill and ink. I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no. You know, one of the first things that they that's pulled out is a is a pair of blue jeans. Yeah. What's this? What's going on? And I'm here? like, what? You know. And I think I can't remember back if that's like right before she comes on the highway or yeah. or if that's right after. But anyway, probably within a five minute period, you all you all figure out kind of what's going on. Right. And uh, and basically the 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 story ends where they're going to try to keep this lie rolling mm-hmm. and that there's a a young boy who dies in the movie and uh and his mother is one of the elders and they kind of get together and they say well you're you're you know the death of your son will ensure that we can kind of continue you know sort of continue our life here and that type of thing so yeah. that that's that's kind of you know sort of how it ends but that's another one of these m not Shyamalan uh you know, big surprise endings type, right. you know, type thing. If, if I have one criticism of, of the Shyamalan movies in general, it's that they, man, they just try to give it all away. They're really heavy handed at the end. It's oh, just yeah. like, here's all the things you missed and here's exactly what's going to happen for the next, you know, they, they leave nothing to chance. Nothing to the imagination. It's like at the very end, and, and I like his movies, but at the very end, it's like, and this is how much more smarter I am than you, <laughs> you know? And then you go, oh, how did I miss that? Yeah. And then like the last 10 minutes, you're just thinking, oh, I'm stupid. You just imagine at the end of every one of these movies, Shyamalan just pops out and he says, a waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's uh, true. Gotcha. But but the uh, bunch of dummies. <laughs> but the, the, the village definitely was, was one of those. 
so uh, it was good. Yeah. So, Jason, you know what would be something that's not dumb and actually very smart for well, our listeners? What's that? Perhaps if they would check out the Slapdash merchandise store. You mean the 21st century website, right? That's right, as far as we know. Not the 19th century, but the 21st century. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and then we'll, we'll come right back. Hey, everyone. We're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. Shannon, everyone loves hoodies, and everyone loves coffee. Yeah, and you can pick up a nice Slapdash hoodie or a Slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a Slapdash cup. (laughs) We also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. We're discussing the history of M. Night Shyamalan's movies. We've covered several, and the next one up on the list is a movie called Split. Jason, have you seen Split? I have. I like it. It's one of the higher-ranked movies. I think it was number two on our list uh, of the most critically acclaimed movies, and for good reason, man. James McAvoy, the the, the actor, goodness gracious. I I think probably, this this is my opinion. Of course, we're going to get into old in, in a little while, but... I think most of his movies, M. Night Shyamalan, that they're not super character driven. It's more big idea driven. Yeah, if that makes see that. If that makes sense. It does. Uh, this one, though, is different. I think this one is clearly character driven. Very clear. Uh, the, the other one, sometimes, you know, uh, you know he, uh, there's one movie I think maybe we didn't talk about where uh, basically the, the entire movie uh, is set in uh, uh, an elevator. Right. Uh, old is set primarily on a, a beach. So he has, this one was on a village, right? The one we yeah. talked about a while ago. So, you know, these movies sometimes have a very small, kind of narrow type of setting. Uh, and so it's not necessarily character driven so much, but this one definitely is. So he absolutely the star of the show. I mean, I was into this movie from the very first second. Yeah, big idea or not, this this character is just wonderful. Really the, good. The actor portrays yeah. him so well. Split was, uh, was released in 2016. It's another American psychological horror thriller written, directed, and produced by M. Night Shyamalan. The film follows a man played by James McAvoy with 24 different personalities who kidnaps and imprisons three teenage girls in an isolated underground facility. Split is a standalone sequel to Shyamalan's 2000 film, Unbreakable. I didn't realize this when I saw it, and I think a lot of people yeah. didn't. Did you pick up on this? Yeah, uh, I did, but I think maybe I actually read I can't remember if I just knew that immediately or I read it, but uh, but yeah, I knew there was a connection. There's really sort of a trilogy there. It is. Yeah. So it starts with Unbreakable. This is the second movie right. in that trilogy, and then it ends with Glass. That's right. About yeah. Mr. Glass. So this whole idea of this being a sequel is revealed when Bruce Willis makes an uncredited cameo at the end of the movie. He's reprising his role from... Uh, Unbreakable, right. you know the the superhero yep. essentially from that movie. Uh, the fact that the movie is a sequel uh, was never actually marketed. They didn't give that away. Even uh, when they were doing like the test audiences, they pulled that scene out. So literally nobody knew about that until the last possible second, hmm. which uh, is rare. Oh yeah, definitely. Age. Yeah, uh, and thus Split has been dubbed the first ever stealth sequel. So <laughs> kind of cool. I can see that. Yeah, and if you look at the the poster. For Split, there's a, a picture of James McAvoy and uh, some cracked glass mm-hmm. uh, to represent, you know, the splitting of his personality. If you go and you look at Unbreakable, uh, you see uh, a picture of Bruce Willis's character, and there's the same shattered glass, and you can connect those two movie posters, and the cracks in the glass match up. 
Oh, really? Perfectly. Yeah, huh, so, so there's cool. a little Easter egg for those. Nobody ever found it, though, until you know they huh. found out the movies were related, and then somebody went back and, and looked at it. The movie grossed $278 million worldwide on a budget of only $9 million. The main character of the film, Kevin, is actually based on a real person, and that scares me a little bit. A man by the name of Billy Milligan became the first person in the history of the U.S. to be acquitted of a crime based on a physiological condition. Billy suffered from what is now known as Dissociative Identity Disorder, DID, also called Multiple Personality Disorder. After being admitted to a mental health facility in Ohio, Billy Milligan was diagnosed as having 24 personalities. Hmm. This person's real. Wow. Crazy, man. How many personalities do you have? Typically three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, you know, it just kind of depends on like what sports are on TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether you have a Diet Coke or not. That's right. Yeah. That, that weighs heavily on it. Yeah, yeah. Big time. In Split, we never actually meet all 24 of Kevin's personalities. Um, but, but we meet several. We meet several. And to James McAvoy's credit, man, he does a fantastic job just flipping. Unbelievable. Between all of these different personalities. There is an Easter egg hidden in the movie that is connected to signs which we previously discussed. Uh, There's this scene where Kevin shows his computer desktop and he's cataloging his personalities. He's keeping track of all these different people that he becomes. And if you read the file names of the personalities written on the desktop, you can see that one is titled Mr. Pritchard. Lionel Pritchard, or Mr. Pritchard, is the name of the town troublemaker in Signs. Oh, so okay. kind of a unique huh. connection there. And it'd be interesting if this was the same person just kind right. of running around in, in the science community doing hmm. doing these things. Only eight of Kevin's 24 personalities are shown in Split, and those include Kevin, Hedwig, Barry, Dennis, Patricia, Jade, Orwell, and the Beast. The Beast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exclamation point. You, know, you might want to pay attention uh, when the Beast is unleashed. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So the personalities who are not shown include, if we only have their names, we have no idea what they're like, but we have Ansel, Bernice, BT, Heinrich, Goddard, Norma, Luke, Polly, Raquel, Felicia, Jelen, Kat, Samuel, Ian, Mary Reynolds, and Mr. Pritchard. <laughs> So, man, and and the way he can flip between like male and female characters too, it's eerie. Oh, it's, just, it's very eerie the yeah. way that he does. I it. think that's what makes it so difficult to like look away from the screen. Is it that is. he just totally has total control of, over that? It reminds me of like Norman Bates in in Psycho. Yeah. Uh, there's this scene where Kevin in this movie is like wearing a string of pearls and just kind of talking, you know, like an elderly woman. Yeah, it's really unnerving. But somehow. It, it, like he sells that like somehow you sort of believe it even yeah. though clearly the he, mannerisms yeah everything sort of carries himself and all that but i really enjoyed this movie i've yet to see glass but i think i'm up for a marathon session of just right. kind of watching that trilogy back to back but jason i think that brings us to i guess old old right yeah so so old is the most recent movie uh directed uh, by m night Shyamalan. came out a couple of weeks ago so shannon do you want to you want to go first or, or do you want or, or do you want me to <laughs> well let's, let's just kind of talk about what this movie is so you have this cast of characters uh and i think uh, you have a man a woman and these two children right, right? And that that's that's the core of the that's the core, core of group. the characters is yeah. this family there's this family and they go to this resort right and once at this resort they you know, meet these other families, but finally they're all ushered to this beach, right? Essentially, and it's this, supposed this to be private beach. It's a private beach. There's only one entrance in. It's through this bizarre cave structure, and once they get there, weird things 
start to happen and you know we'll, we'll talk about some of these but the main premise and this is what the characters soon discover is that 30 minutes in the the time that passes for them on the the beach is equivalent to one year of their life so basically everyone's aging is accelerated right majorly and all these crazy things start to happen as a result of that obviously the kids get older they right. grow up the older characters get even older and die People right. start to experience dementia and blindness and hearing loss. Right. And it's it's crazy. It's it, it's exactly what you said. It's this big idea concept. It's not really character driven. So no, much. it's no, it's not because they barely get to know these people. No, there there are several characters. There's you know there's probably maybe seven or eight kind of major characters. Uh, maybe maybe more than that uh, that that are in it. But you really does you don't really get to know any of them all that well except you know obviously the the, the core family there the, the sure. four and you know and I think like when the kids get there when the movie starts. I don't know the the boy maybe what five maybe he's, somewhere around he's there young. He's five the youngest one or, five or, or six yeah, in the family the girl looks to be ten or eleven yeah. maybe something like that and so you know afternoon on the beach and then all of a sudden I think the little boy says something like uh, mommy my my shorts don't fit or my my <laughs> shorts are tight yeah and you can kind of see she looks up and she's like. She looks at him like, "What's going on?" I mean, almost like, "Who are you?" She can tell something. But she knows it's him. Yeah, and so yeah, it doesn't take long after that before all of a sudden the kids are now fully grown. Yeah, I mean, just in a matter of like hours, they're fully grown, and the adults obviously are already grown, so they're just really aging right. uh, at, at that point. Uh, there's a little dog on there. It's not good for dogs because no. dogs are what it's like dog years every seven years or one human years like seven for a dog. Yeah, that poor so, dog didn't make it an hour. Dog dogs done like in twelve minutes or whatever, you know. <laughs> no. So, so yeah. So you and, uh, and 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 some of the some of the characters you know what's going to happen. Like there, there's already one elderly woman on the yeah. beach, and you and whenever you find out what's happening, you're like, oh, well, she's not going to make it very long, yeah. and she doesn't. Right. So, long story short, they're 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 trying to get off the beach. You know, they they soon realize what's happening. They can't explain it. But they begin to understand what's happening, and so different different uh, characters. You know, some try to swim off the, you know, to go like mm-hmm. to a different cove. Some try just to simply walk back the way they came. One like climbs up the the hills, the mountains, yeah. separating and, them, and yeah. uh, and she kind of meets meets her fate there. And so uh, they're they're trapped. And so like the next day, you have these kids that are like five years old, and now they're like in their forties. Yeah, like literally in the one next day. day. Yeah. You know, spoiler alert on this one: they, they basically uh, every everyone dies except for two, mm-hmm. except for the the uh, the uh, two kids. So they do escape. Uh, you think they don't for a few moments, but but they do. The big reveal. So do you want to you want to cover the 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 uh, the big reveal at the end? Because you know there has to be one, right? Yeah. If if it's an M Night Shyamalan mm-hmm. movie, there has to be some purpose behind sure. what's occurring, and and there is. It's almost like Shyamalan steps out like Rod Serling, like smoking a, a cigarette, <laughs> yeah. and he's like <laughs> submitted for your approval, <laughs> right? So the way I understand it is basically there's this medical group who is running the resort as a facade. Like, it's just right. a complete front to these medical experiments that are going on. And basically, they they look up people's medical profiles. They bring them to this resort. For a free vacation. For a free vacation. You know, they think they're getting something out of this. When, in fact, they know what these people's ailments are. And that's part of what they're doing with this medical research. Like, one person has blood clots. So, they're, right. they're researching how to cure blood clots. One has seizures. One person has has grandma seizures. Uh, another person has a mental uh, a mental condition. You know right. uh, that's that's not revealed. Sort but. of like a early onset of Alzheimer's or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, essentially. So so they bring all these people in and then they 
take them off to this private beach, which they know is going to age them very quickly. But before they do that, they make sure that all of their patients or their guests, you know, whichever, uh, are given these tonics, these drinks, and they think they're just being greeted with a friendly drink when they arrive, when in fact that drink contains, you know, what they have medically researched as a cure for that particular ailment. And the purpose of taking them to the beach is so that they can see those people age essentially after taking this cure to see what happens, basically. Sort of the, to, to quickly... Uh, evaluate the long-term effects yep. of of their medicine. So, like you know, some some medicine sometimes obviously takes years before mm-hmm. it's ever approved. Well, years is minutes. Yep. And so that's the whole purpose of what they're doing is that they can basically it's it's a big trial. Yeah. It's, it's a medical trial and. The, the humans are very much like lab rats and yeah. you know, they do have a moment of silence it, you know like I think that was like what the the 37th or 73rd group or whatever and it said let's all have a moment of silence uh, you know all members of trial group 73 no one survived and and then they kind of pause for a moment and then they come back and they say you know however the good news is that uh, you know we we cured the woman of her seizures and then they talk uh-huh. about it and then of course you the viewer you go back and you and you're thinking oh well she did not have a seizure for a very very long time sure and so they, they talk about that and so it, it becomes very more very much more about the uh, effectiveness of the medicine mm-hmm. and that although though although they have killed these people that they could potentially save thousands of more because they're getting this medicine uh, produced in a matter of like maybe weeks or months instead of like maybe a decade it's a scary ethical dilemma yeah you know it's it's the reason that we have precautionary measures that prevents these types of studies but it's it's interesting nonetheless you know what what people would do should they have no restrictions and i think that's the psychology of this entire movie is like if there are no restrictions if if scientists are unbound to experiment on people for the greater good then is that is that worthwhile what's stopping any anybody from doing anything yeah or or is that a terrible thing i would argue that's a terrible thing (laughs) however you know there's there's that age-old debate if you had uh the ability to go back in time basically and stop hitler when he was a baby Right. Would you do that? Would, would you? Yeah. Because you have to think of the ethical trade-off. One, you'll prevent the Holocaust. On the other hand, he's a baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard that one before. Yeah. So, so it's the same sort of uh, dilemma I think we see here. But Jason, one scene, if, if we're just, you know, if, if we just sidestep the whole ethics of everything and just talk about, okay, just the substance of this movie. Okay. There's one scene that is frightening. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. It's so bad. Oh my goodness! I, I whenever you told me you'd seen this movie, this is the first thing I asked you about, and it was the scene of the lady in the cave. Yes, because th- there's one character who has uh, a calcium deficiency. Right. They you know very ham-fistedly at the beginning of yeah, the show, three or four times, movie, yeah. three or four times they just kind of she repeat. Oh, I have a, a calcium deficiency, and I need my drink or whatever yeah. you know. So whatever that means for her, she gets to the beach, and that gets accelerated. Right. And obviously there's no calcium supplements on the beach. Right. So she starts to kind of get hunched over slowly. Her bones start to get frail. And at one point she just kind of covers up because she has this big hunch on her back. I guess, you know, she's uh, experiencing bone loss, essentially. So she goes and hides out in a cave somewhere. And at some point the kids wander into that cave. Uh, Maybe they're trying to escape. Maybe they're just 
I can't re- I can't recall, but they find themselves in that cave, and here's this lady who is at the height of her transformation. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. <laughs> she's hunched over. Her hands are all gnarled up, and she's screaming, "Don't look at me!" And <laughs> okay, I, I will. I promise I won't. And then there's and then her arm just reaches out for the kids to grab them, and because she's so frail because of the bone loss, her arm breaks and. Because time is accelerated here, years, you know, or, or at least months, weeks are passing, her arm heals almost immediately in the wrong position. In the wrong position. Yeah. So it's like the moment she breaks it, two seconds later, it's healed in that position. Yeah. And so she becomes this deformed, tangled mess of a spider lady uh, because all of her bones just start to break at once, like her knees give out and then they snap and go into a different direction and heal immediately yeah. oh jason it's j- awful just to say it and and then they finally show her again don't show the shark okay i, yeah. I think we said that you know the the execution is always worse than the anticipation of right. the thing but they show the shark and it's this cgi mangled mess of and the lady has all of her limbs in like 27 yeah. different directions and it's terrifying i don't think anything else in the movie rivals that scene and what it does no uh there there's a couple of jump scares and there's some obviously some some sad parts but i don't think i think that was the the sole scene that was like oh like like i I don't want to see this have to look away (laughs) right right i I think there were some odd plot decisions in the movie like for example everyone's aging very quickly but they never have to like eat or drink basically right right i mean they should be because every half hour is a year so i mean they should be non-stop just so you should be like dead and like probably like like two minutes or something yeah yeah yeah. and you could argue that well in this universe you don't have to or whatever but they kind of defeated that because if you remember and we won't (laughs) go into the specifics but a baby is born (laughs) on this on this beach right? right yeah uh and the baby like dies in seconds it's right. it's it's sad it's emotional and and the reason given is that the baby was neglected they like laid it on a blanket it was born they laid it on a blanket for like, for like four seconds for like a few seconds which was the equivalent of several weeks and and the baby just just died from neglect just died instantly yeah so it needed nurturing it right. needed sustenance so we can't really say that sustenance isn't right. a thing and yet nobody needs it i think we see the kids eating like one time they're yeah. like scarfing They're down kind of sort of as, sort of as something. fast as they can go and, and and i do remember that the 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 guy that drops them off uh at the which i think is m not Shyamalan, i believe right? it is yeah and uh so when he drops them off at the beach uh you know they ask they say man this is a lot of food for just an afternoon mm-hmm. and he goes well kids get hungry you know and yeah and so they they do so i and i guess you know they, there is like some kind of explanation to where where the kids were physically growing right that they had to eat more where the, the adults didn't but yeah but that that's definitely sort of a a hole in the plot where you know either you need the stuff either Either, either, either all humans need it or, yeah. or no one does. Yeah, yeah, pretty convenient. Speaking of convenient, at the end of the movie, you know, whenever we think those last two kids are going to pass away, well, they're like fifty something right now. Movie, yeah, um, conveniently, one kid remembers that. Oh, I have this note that this other person, you know, back at the resort, who's who happens to be another little kid, gave me before I left. Maybe at our last hour, we should read this and and see what the kid <laughs> yeah. has to say. And they read it, and the note says, my uncle doesn't like the coral. And then all of a sudden, they have this revelation that, oh, there's some coral over there. Maybe we should swim around it right. and see what happens. And that ultimately leads to their escape. But I didn't like that connection at all. It feels so forced. Yeah. There was, I mean, I just, 
my uncle doesn't like the coral. I mean, it's just that, that yeah. that's a weird statement. And I, I don't know. I, I didn't like that part. I mean, I'm glad they got out and they lived, but I didn't like that part. I, I feel like at the end, they just needed somebody to, it was just a way out. It was a plot right. device. It didn't feel comfortable. It didn't feel earned. Right. Yeah. You know, it was just like, oh, I had this note that explains how to get off this, uh, right. this island at the last second. But, you know, final impressions, I would say I was never bored. Oh no! No, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I gave it. Uh, I gave it a B plus. My wife liked it. Uh, my daughters actually watched it last night, and uh, and they they seemed to like it. So no, yeah. I, I I I would recommend it. I mean, I, I think uh, I think it's a good movie. It does have some some holes in the plot, but mm-hmm. I mean, what movie doesn't? But uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's definitely a recommend. I recommend it too. After my wife and I watched it, I remember making the comment that I'm glad I watched this movie. I enjoyed it while I was watching it. I don't think this is an ever a movie I'll return to. Like, no, I, I don't no, think I, agree I would with get that. It like a yeah. second watch. Yeah. But it, it's worth seeing the first time, right. as are most of the movies on this right. list. So, Jason, that brings us to the end. Is there anything we missed on our tour of M. Night Shyamalan? Uh, I think we did a pretty good job of reviewing the movies that, that we uh, that we did review. Obviously, there are several there that maybe we'll look at some other time, maybe like when the next M. Night Shyamalan movie comes out. Yep. But I do want to mention that we very recently, I think as of today, like maybe like just an hour ago, mm-hmm. reached a pretty significant milestone. So, Shannon, I'll let you do the honors. Jason, as of right now, we have 20,000 downloads on the podcast 20k congratulations I, man. congratulations i remember when we were talking about this and we said do you think we'll ever get a hundred i remember that yeah. yeah so that's awesome good job good job thanks thanks uh, to all of our listeners who have made Absolutely. this possible please continue sharing the podcast with a friend also follow us on facebook twitter and instagram with the handle at slapdash pod and we'll catch you in the next episode i see podcasts